But it's so good that you're here with us this morning. I, I do want to report, you know, how I many, two weeks ago, we, we uh, actually took up uh, an offering, our miracle offering. And how many of you like to know what came in in the miracle offering? Who, doesn't, who don't care? But I'm going to tell you anyway. But uh, between both campuses, we had almost $20,000 come in through our miracle offering. And at this campus, we had almost $15,000 in the other campus. And uh, just to let you know, we bought the chairs cash. Come on. Uh, Eunice, with their $5,000, what they're going to do is they've got a, we've got a building there. We're gonna, uh, it's kind of an apartment, and we're going to kick our tenant out of it. And because they're growing out with a children's church, so they're going to renovate it and make it a, a, a bigger place. It's a huge place, so they're going to make it a children's church. So we're excited about that. And then also, this is what we're using some of the other money for that we raised besides the chairs is we're going to start surveying for our new parking lot and start working on the drainage and all that other stuff. And, and all the ladies that wear high heels said, amen. amen. And uh, we also, just let you know, we also sent $2,000 to South Africa. And, um, you know, we made a commitment, uh, you know, for a year. I made a commitment as a church for us. We're trying to raise 10% of what they need to build their building. And they actually, I think they broke the ground last week. And they need $100,000, which for them is like 750000 rand of their money, which is pretty incredible. And we said we want to try to give at least 10%. Right now, we're at $6,000 that we've given them. So we sent a $2,000 check to them. Isn't that awesome? And so God's, you know, God's doing. Some people go, what, what's God doing? Those are some of the things that God's doing, not just through this church, but through you as well. And so this morning, if you saw that we're, the name Carol's, what the heck does that mean, Pastor Baba? You know, well, th- we're, we're so glad that you're here with us to start off our new series. And we're going to open it up. And, we're, and what we're calling our series called Carols. And we go, why does that have to We're going to, we, what we're going to do, I'm going to have four specific sermons, four specific messages that I want to talk to you leading up to Christmas. And what I want to do, what we've done is we've taken Christmas carols. And we're going to talk about different Christmas carols and some of the words and what it, how we can really apply those Christmas carols to our own lives. And so this morning, what we're doing is we're talking about O Holy Nights. And if you know anything about O Holy Night, it's kind of a cool and interesting uh, scenario how it all came about. What happened is, well, let me just give you a little bit of the context of what it took. But actually... It was the mid-1800s, and there was a, there was a, uh, a guy, a priest, a parish priest that was, uh, found this French merchant, and, he said, and this guy was really good at poems. His name was uh, Placet Capot, and he asked Placet, he said, would you mind writing a poem for me that would correlate to Luke chapter 2 in the Gospels? And that's all about when Jesus was born and all that in Bethlehem, and it was a holy night. And so what happened is, you know, he took that. But see, Placet was actually a guy, he was kind of a hell raiser. He was not really a Christian, okay? But he had a way with poem and poetry. And so he wrote this poem. And he liked the poem so much. After reading that, he, he got one of his buddies. He said, and this guy knew music. And he said, can you put my poem to music? And actually, this is one of, one of his party buddies, Okay, so here you have these two guys are writing this song, and all of a sudden they they come out with the song, and what happens is Placide brings it to the priest, and and all of a sudden they start playing it in the Catholic Church, and it becomes so popular, everybody starts singing it, but then they find out 
who wrote the song. Okay, that's like commissioning Willie Nelson to write. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? And if you're in the rock and roll, that's like Leonard Skinner. And if you, come on, somebody needs to have some Thanksgiving cheer, all right? I mean, it's like commissioning them to write the song. I mean, I don't know if you saw Willie Nelson's new book, When I Die, Roll Me Up and Smoke Me. Okay, I mean, that's, I mean, he's really writing about the anthem of his life. And so what happens is they, they found out about this song and who wrote it. So they started, they said, we got to shut this thing down. But what happened, it caught on so much and people loved the song so much, they just kept, they couldn't shut it down. And so really what I want to do now, this song, Oh Holy Night, has a phrase that I want to zero in on. And we're going to do this in this series. We're going to zero in on some phrases. But before I do, let's just pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the privilege that I have to be able to share the good news, your gospel. Now, Lord, news for those that are weary, news for those that have walked through difficulty, those that are, that are facing situations, circumstances, and only good news can help them. And Lord, we thank you that on that holy night, the good news came. The Son of God, Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded of that, how the angels sang, the shepherds came, they laid gifts before you, and they saw that it was a holy moment, a holy night. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would just help me to speak. I pray, Holy Spirit, you said you, you would be our counselor, you would be our teacher, you would reveal all truth to us. Just come, Holy Spirit, have your way and speak to us. And everybody agree with that? Say, I agree. Here the phrase is, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, there's two words that actually describe our world today. It's a weary world. Think about it. Wouldn't you agree that our world is a little bit weary? Think about it. You know, I mean, think about right now in our Congress, they're talking, they're fighting about what we're going to do for our economy. How many of you know that, that, you know, what's going on? There's a lot of anxiety going on with our economy. Oh, man, where would they do this? There's just people are freaking out. How many you know what I'm talking about? And so what happens is not only in our economy, but there's some people that are having anxiety in their relationships. You see, there's almost, there's, yeah, there's almost like we're fighting to stay above the water and I think so many people say today relate to that phrase, you know, a weary world. Just weary. You know, just weary of what you're going through, weary of what you're facing. Where is anything going to change? You ever, had, you ever had those moments? Just get weary with life? Come on, am I in a church or is this a funeral home this morning? Okay, I just want to make sure we have life here, all right? And so this morning, uh, I, I want to... Uh, but what I love is about the song, there's this one little, a couple little, little words. And it says, a thrill of hope. And that's kind of what I want to key on. Imagine the chaos of the holy night. But there's a thrill of hope that the Messiah would be born. You see, there, there's a thrill of hope. Suddenly, a weary world does what? A weary world rejoices. It rejoices. I pray that if there's any weary world in you that you experience a thrill of hope this morning or even for this Christmas, you find the faith to rejoice. You see, why? Because even in chaos of this night, there was a new and glorious 
morning coming. You see, let's just focus on new and glorious morning. You know, if you'd go with me to the book of Lamentations, if you go, where the heck is that? If you don't know, it's not in, it's between the book of hesitations. No, there's no book of hesitations. <coughs> Some of you are hesitating. But there's, it's between the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And what happens is, is, uh, is right here uh, in this portion, there's this place called, I mean, Jeremiah wrote this, and it's actually some poems. It's poems that, Jer- that, that Jeremiah the prophet wrote. And if you know anything about the history of Lamentation, let me just give you a little bit of history, and then I'm going to go right into the message. I want to take you back in the Old Testament, the book of Lamentations. It's, it's the context of Lamentations in the year 586 B.C., before Christ. And what happens is, it's the country of Judah. And what happened is, they're having a stronghold in Jerusalem. But the Babylonians have come with their full force and their full might against the, the small country of Judah. And what happens is, is they come in, they make, they make a breach in the city walls, and they invade that city. And what happens is, there's total devastation to a country. Almost, almost the entire population of the country of Judah is wiped out in this moment. You know, it's, it's kind of like this. I mean, how do we relate? I think in America, we can relate. You know, my grandfather's generation was, all they had to do is go, you know, they had to remember World War II, Pearl Harbor. You said Pearl Harbor, man. It was, hap- it was like, wow, devastation. We think about in our generation, 9-11, Katrina, Sandy, there's different, or if you live in Joplin, Missouri, you had a moment where there was just sheer devastation. In Alabama, Tuscaloosa, they had a tornado. But see, this, is a whole, this isn't just a little place. This is the country. Can you imagine if we had devastation in our country and everybody you knew and people that you were fond of and you didn't know if they made it, but you know that possibly they probably didn't make it because you saw carnage and you saw death all around you. You saw hopelessness. And here, Jeremiah is in the midst of all this, and this is how he begins to read. He begins to write limitations. And, and I love what he says, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of everything that seems devastation, look what it says, limitations. It says, I will remember them. It's talking about to be, and my soul is downcast within me. Verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20 through 26. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are consumed, for his compassion never fails. How many can say, I know that? And he says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, I just want to show you three simple, just simple truths this morning. And, and it can bring you a thrill of hope. When, you, when, you're, when the world is weary and you're living in the midst of darkness, number one is this. A new day with Jesus or Christ brings exactly what you need. A new day. You know, how many of you have ever gotten bad news? And it's like, it just devastates you. Come on. Where you just, it's like you didn't like 
what you heard, and you didn't believe it was happening to you. You know? And, and, and it's like every new day with Jesus will bring exactly what you need. Are you hearing me? Now, I didn't say what you want. There's a difference. Come on. Because what you need and what you want are sometimes different things. Now, Christmas time, I mean, you know, you remember a kid, you wanted what? I mean, you had stuff you wanted. But your parents go, no, you don't need that. And you were praying that God would change your parents' heart. Come on. I remember my big, my big birth, my big Christmas, I was seven years old. No, six. Six or seven, whatever. I don't want to tell the, I want to tell the truth, so I don't know. In, in between there. And I remember, this is when banana seats were cool. <laughs> on a bike. You know what I'm talking about? I wanted a banana seat. And then in the back tire, I wanted a slick. Now, if you don't know what a slick is, it's just kind of, it's like a mag tire. It's like that fat on a bike, and it was just slick and had two little lines going through the back tire. And, man, I mean, I just, I was dreaming of the banana seat with the slick. How many are you talking about? And I remember, man, getting up that morning, you know, we made, we made cookies for Santa Claus. And, you know, I mean, you know, and, and we were doing all that. My mom and dad had me worked up, you know. And I said, man, I just can't wait. You know, you, you make the visit to Santa Claus. You know how it is when you're a kid. You make the visit. Hey, man, I want the banana seat, you know. And you describe what you want. And you look at your mama. Make sure. Yeah, it's kind of like that Christmas story. You remember the movie Christmas Story where the guy's trying to get to Santa Claus and he goes down, and I want a BB gun, a rider BB gun. Anyway, and I remember just saying that. And I remember that morning I got up and, man, all around the tree where there's presents, me and my brother. And we had those onesies with the feet, you know, still anyway, because my mom has the pictures. And, and I remember, you know, I got a Saints football uniform. I got an NFL, like, uh, football game with the Saints in the, the, the it, back then it was the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and it was the kind that you plug in and the, and, and the whole, it was just, <laughs> and you had no direction. You know, you couldn't tell your men. You go, everybody, <laughs> they fall down. You pick them up. <laughs> and you had this little felt ball you put under one. It was just crazy. Mayhem. And I was waiting and I didn't see the bike, you know what I mean? But it was, my dad had kind of placed it where I couldn't see it. But man, when I turned around and I saw that, my weary world changed. Because I woke up with a, a desire. I had hope. Maybe, maybe I'll get this thing. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You see, this morning, your Lamentations 324 says, you know, I, I just love this. It says, say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. How many of you know every now and then you have to talk to yourself and preach, your, preach some truth to yourself? Every once in a while you just got to go, man, we ain't doing it. I mean, me and Lily battling through cancer, there are people that would come to me and they meant well. And I remember someone told me, you know, I mean, I can't, I mean, this is true. My mom told me I never thought one of my children would die before me. I'm like, that's really, that's a lot of hope. Come on. I'm like, I don't receive that. I'd be preaching life. You know, people would seek, be, be, talk death all around me and say, Lord, I believe your life. I'm trusting life. 
You know, and sometimes you ever had the mully grubs where you just had to, you got to the point, and I talked about talking to yourself last week a little bit, so I'm not going there. But we know that we all have different voices that speak to us. Come on. And it's what we do with the voices that we allow the chorus of going, you ain't going to make it. This is the dead end. This is it. And when sometimes you just got to shake that off and go, this ain't it. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to have the mully grubs anymore. I'm getting out of this pit, and I'm going on. You see, I, I just know that the Lord is my portion. What does that mean? What does that mean? It reminds me of the children of Israel. When God would give them their portion, every day they would wake up, come on, and he would give them manna. And it was just enough for the day. And so every morning they wake up and they had a portion. God, you know, they were, I mean, literally, they got sick of man. It was like this bread, heavenly bread that would fall from heaven. And they would collect it and then they would bake it and, and it wouldn't last the night. It would get rotten at a, after a certain time and they'd have to go back in the morning and get it again. And then they went from the manna, they're going, we're tired of bread. We want some quail. So God said he sent so many quail, they ate it till they got sick. Kind of like you with turkey this week. But every day. I mean, and so here it is. God gave them their portion. Say it with me. Say my portion. Every day, you and I, need, we need to start anew every day in seeking after God's presence for our own lives that we get the portion that we need. We need you need your, listen, I don't need a daily piece of bread. I need a daily loaf every day. I know about you. You know, I, I, God, I want, I need my portion. See, the good news is God is already in your tomorrow. See, you go, well, I don't know, man. You know, tomorrow, God's in your tomorrow. Right now. You see, in tomorrow, he has everything you need for tomorrow. Whatever it brings. Some of you right now, you're sitting here and you're worried what's going to happen this week. You got your agenda, you got your schedule, you got these, all these things, and you think you have it planned out, and you go, where's God? And God's saying, I'm going to be in your tomorrow. You see, if your marriage is struggling, God's in tomorrow waiting right now for you, and he has what you need in your marriage tomorrow. You might have came to church this morning, and you might have fought. You're going, that's it. I'm cutting her off. Don't lie to yourself, man. I'm cutting him. Oh, there's Pastor Bubba. Hi. God knows what you need for you tomorrow. Maybe it's not your marriage. Maybe you're weak today, and God is already in tomorrow, and his strength will make whatever your weakness is, he'll, he'll strengthen you. It'll be perfect in your weakness. You might be down and depressed today. He's already in your tomorrow. He is your joy. Say me, say joy. He's the lifter of your head. The Bible says he's the glory and the lifter of your head. That when you got when you're just looking down, you can't you think of anything. He's going, look, look, stop. And he grabs you by the chin. How many times I've had to do that to my children? Hey, stop it. Come here, come here. <laughs> and Lily picked their chin up and said, Look at me. 
And it's kind of like this. You know, it's like, look into my eyes. Let me tell you. And whatever you have to say. And it, the Bible says he's the glory and the lifter of your head. A new day with Jesus always brings exactly what you need. You know what you need? You need his presence in your life. None of the you need is you need his strength. You need his power. You need his goodness. Are you hearing me? Every day. Come on. Somebody ought to be shouting me down in here. See, the bottom line is God knows exactly what you need. And you're going, well, I just can't get that. You just don't know. No, I don't know, but God does. He wants to be in your tomorrow. You see, the second thing is a new day with Jesus brings us hope to keep going. You know, I've, I've learned, see, Lamentations verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who, who, to the one who seeks him. You know, as people, they say you can, only li- you can only live without food for 40 days. You can live without water for eight days. You can live without oxygen for four minutes on the average. But I promise you this, you can't live a second without hope. Without hope. You see, I believe there are too many people today putting their hope in the wrong places. I mean, you know, people like that. Hey, you say, Pastor, I, I used to be like that, or I'm facing that. See, right now, the stock market is kind of a risky place to put your hope in, isn't it? Have you followed it lately? I mean, people literally, they're like, oh, oh, oh. I don't live my life by the economy of American government. Are you hearing me? My economy has to be God is faithful. No matter what I go through, no matter what I face, no matter if the bottom falls out, he's going to provide everything that I need. How many believe that? But if you're not placing your hope, you see, put your hope, you put your hope in a company, they may let you down. They may let you down. Put your hope in another person and they might not come through for you like you thought they would. When we put our hope in the wrong places, this is what happens. We start ending up hopeless and we become weary in a world that we can't find hope. And where, where anything is good because our hope is in all the wrong places. You know what I love about when I travel and when I go places and I do things and sit at the airport and stuff. And I'm the kind of guy, if you've been around me, I'll, I'll talk to you. I can start a conversation. You know, this week I was walking around. Christmas and this guy was putting up his lights and I just stopped and I go, man, let me tell you something. People like you in this world make me mad. And he's putting up his lights. He goes, what do you mean? Because I don't like people like you because that puts pressure on me to have to put lights up in my house. And then we started a conversation. You know, but there's been times where I was at an airport one time and I was Going, I don't remember where I was going, and this guy just started talking to me, and and I, I asked him all these questions. You know, like, hey man, we're just talking, but what do you do? And he tells me. So I'm asking everything about his life. I found out he has kids, and they're grown. They're in college. Him and his wife are together, and she's, you know, where they live, and all this stuff. His hobbies, all this. And finally, he looks at me. He goes, oh, 
what do you do? I looked at my son. I'm a heart specialist. You're a heart specialist? Where do you practice? Oh, I practice in Jennings, Louisiana. And all around southwest Louisiana. And he starts saying, wow. You mean they got to, you know, you know, you know I'm going with this. He's thinking, what do you think he's thinking I am? A doctor. But, you know, the reality is, look at me. If you need plumbing work at your house, don't call me. If you need electrical work at your house, please, my wife will tell you, don't call him. My boys were right. Matt was in town. He's been right. He reminded me. He was telling me a story that my wife and I didn't even know. Zach and him, they didn't even tell us. When they were kids, y'all put nails or screws in the, when we lived in Broussard into the socket into our garage. And they, they built a robot, a metal robot. And then they whacked some wires around this. And they thought, well, it didn't. And, and when they did, the robot lit up. And, went, and the house lights went out. They were like, ah, don't call me to be an electrician because I can't fix your stuff. Are you hearing me? But if you need something that's a matter of your heart, that's what God's called me to be, a heart specialist. Am I making sense here? And, of course, you know, I had to confess to the guy, you know, where'd you go to medical school? The burning bush? Bush University? You know, I mean, I could go on. But anyway, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 said, Let us hold unservantly to the hope we, pro- we profess. For, we, for he who promised is faithful. Too many people are letting go of the truth of God and hanging on to all the lies that the enemy puts in our minds or puts in our lives. You see... We need to do something exactly the opposite. Let go of the fear. Let go of the anxiety. Let go of the stress. Let go of the panic. Let go of doubt. And hold on to the hope that we profess. It's true. Can I tell you something? They will give you medicine for anything you think you have. This morning, I asked Paige. She was just sitting here watching Jonathan. And I said, and I said, Jay, Paige, how you been doing? You know, she, with the pregnancies, I had my days, you know, Pastor. You know, Paige, I had my day. And I go, and she goes, yeah, but I'm just coming off of a head cold. I said, well, I'm just going into one. I go, do you have any medication that I could do just dry me up? And I'm like, I'm just, she goes, no, Pastor. I, God, it was in my other purse. And I said, all of a sudden, I went. Sabrina Fontenot's here. She is Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. I go in there and I go, Sabrina, I just, you know, like, Sabrina, you got any, like, anything to kind of, like, I don't want to be snotting while I'm preaching, you know, and going, you know. And she's like, oh, pass the Bible. And she pulls out, where's the box? Come on, give it to me. <laughs> Y'all think I'm lying. Give it here. Wait. Okay, wait. Here you go. Wait. I, you took the one. I mean, she pulls out the box. But this ain't a regular box. This is an open box where you don't have just a few compartments. This, I mean, you can, man, if you get cut in here, you will survive. This is, this is a survival kit. 
And so she pulls out these, I'm not going to touch them, but these little yellow things. And man, it dried me up. You know what? Because when she gave me that, I had a little bit of hope. Man, if she gives me one of them, I'm going to be dried up. And then my wife goes, she walks in, will it make you, like, drowsy? I was teasing them. I said, you know, I'm going to put a part to You know, that, come finish up the message, you know, just. But I'm feeling good. Because I, you know what I did? I put my hope in that little, those two little pills that they would dry me up. But, you know, when I put my hope in God, He'll dry up fear. He'll dry up doubt. He'll dry up depression. He'll dry up whatever you need when you look to him. Amen? That's why he said, let us hold on. How many ever had to hold on to something in order for something to work? I remember when Andrew was a little boy, a little baby, and it was one of those moments where my wife had gone out and trusted me to watch my child. You were there? Okay, all right. It wasn't like that. But anyway, she's correcting me. She was there. But somehow I was in the kitchen. He was there. And I remember he literally felt how he did. I don't know. But he, he, got, he was not in his high chair. He was holding on to the little dish thing that hooks up to the high chair, holding to the little tray. And he's screaming. And he's holding with one hand. And then I, I say, oh, my, and you know how when you first see something, you just kind of get frozen. You go, that's terrible. <laughs> then you kind of go, your feet need to move. And I run. And I would like to say I caught him. I missed him. <laughs> but he was hanging on with all that he had and using what he had to cry for help. And can I tell you something? Sometimes we wonder, well, if I, I got to do it this way, this way. And then we got these formulas. God's just saying, you know what? If you look to me, there's no formula. Put your hope and your trust in me. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had people fail you? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. How many of you ever had people lie to you? Gets you kind of mad, doesn't it? Disappointed. Let me ask you a question. How many, how many times have you failed people? How many times you've lied to someone? Don't raise your hand. Don't put it down. <laughs> That's why the Bible says, look to the Lord. Listen. If you stay around me long enough, sooner or later, I'll disappoint you. Are you hearing me? I don't want to, but I will. That's why the Bible says, look to the Lord. Then say, look to man. It says, look to the Lord. Are y'all with me this morning? Don't lose hope. And see, I want to stay here for a moment because there's somebody who needs to hear this. Don't let go of hope. Don't give up. Don't surrender and don't cash it in. You see, there's a new day coming. I'm telling you, come on. There's a new day coming. A new day with Jesus can change everything. 
That brings me to point three. And my last point is this. A new day with Jesus brings us the help that we were seeking. What do you mean, Pastor Robert? Lamentation. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, it's amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make in your life. Just one day. What do you mean, Pastor Bella? You know, let me give you a couple examples. Lazarus. He was dead. I mean, there's dead and there's dead. Okay, he was dead. He'd been dead for so long. Listen, listen, he'd been dead four days. And the Bible says that he'd been dead long enough to have a stench. Okay, it means he was smelling ripe. Okay? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks on the scene. And he, he kind of sees, gets, what's everybody, everybody freaking out, crying, you know, Mary, Mary Martha, if you would have been here, my Lord, you know, he probably would have made it, but Lord, you were. There's a whole message in that. But Jesus showed up on time. Been dead for four days. Then they rolled the stone away, and that's how everybody, you imagine when they rolled the stone away, everybody's going, oh, whoo. Because see, you, you and I, we read the story, but there was, the senses were working. People were crying. You roll away the stone. You hear the sound. And all of a sudden, you know, let's put it in stereo. And all of a sudden, you know, when they open it up, they go, wow, it's kind of like open that bag of trash has been there a while. And all of a sudden, you go, ah! This week, I don't know what it is. I'm telling you the truth. I've stepped in dog stuff and cat stuff all week. I mean, literally, I went hunting this week. Zach was with me. We're getting in the truck. And one of my guys brought his hunting dog. I didn't know. And I... Guess I, no, we were coming out of the restaurant, and someone, I stepped in somebody's dog stuff that they let do, do right by my truck. And all of a sudden, I'm driving, I go, and look in there, and I go, man, something smells like dog dewey or something. And, and I'm looking, and I look on my mat, there's dog dewey, and I look at my boot, and I go, I stepped in it. I missed the trash man the other day. I promise you, I go <coughs> pick up the trash. I, I hear the trash, you know how. Like when it's Thanksgiving, they do different days. I let, when my wife and I are in the back trying to relax, drinking coffee, and, and all of a sudden we hear the trash. I hear the trash go, oh, you think they're picking up? Things? She goes, I bet they are. And I ran, and I missed him. So I'm in my robe. I'm like, hey. And he gone. I got my truck. My hair's all, you know, you know how you got that morning dew. And, and I go, hey, dude. Man, could you give me a big rap just around the corner? My trash can. I didn't get it out. You think you can make a pass? He goes, I pass on the other side. I'm going to pass on your side next. I'm like, I, but in the midst of that, when I went to go get the trash can, one of my daughter's little cats decided to do his thing right there by the trash can. In my flip-flops. I go, crack, and I'm like, oh, God. Why are you talking about smelly stuff? Because let me tell you, when you step in it, you smell it. And see, you haven't need to step into this world that I'm talking about. Lily, when they rolled the stone away, they was like, whoo, and my shot. If he was in cage, he How do they say stink in French, miss? Huh? Say it loud. Poo. Poo. There you go. You step in poo. See, I knew it was going to be stepping into something. But anyway. Puh, puh, okay, puh. Okay, we're getting French translators here. Puh. 
It was bad, all right, no matter what. They were smelling the poor. Can I tell you something? You know what Jesus did? He stepped over that thing beyond the smell, beyond what everybody was thinking. And he was probably looked, I don't know how he did. He just, if he was in today's society, he'd probably go, hey, Lazarus, buddy, come on out, bud. He didn't go, Lazarus. And I've heard theologians say the reason he said Lazarus because everybody that was dead would have come out of the grave. Okay? I mean, that's why, look, Papa. You know, I didn't want him back. Anyway, just. And Lazarus comes forward. You think, you think if I got Lazarus up here that he would say that one day made a difference? How about the woman with the issue of blood walking around with 12 years? She got an issue. All of us got issues. Come on. It's, willing, it's if we're willing to take the issue out of the trunk. Thank you for three honest people. How many of we all deal with issues? I love when people are about to get married. Oh, they're perfect. There ain't no problems. They do everything right. They're just so perfect. I like to see them about two months after they've been married. I really like to see them when, you know, the man, I, you know, I'm the man. I like, when I kill ducks, my wife's going to feather them. He's going to do that. You see him about three years later after they had a child. He's carrying the diaper bag. He's carrying all this. You know. <laughs> this man that was going to change the world had the perfect mate. Come on. What happened? You turned into a Twinkie, buddy. <laughs> By the way, they're selling Twinkies if anybody needs to buy it. Anyway, just... Imagine. One day she's, she's coming and she's going, if I just touch the hem of that garment that he's walking by, if I just, if I just kind of, kind of just go and just kind of, if I just, if I just touch it, maybe I'll get better. She's working through the crowd. I mean, you know what I mean? There's people gathered up all around him. And all of a sudden, She's like kind of getting through the crowd and she's trying to put that hand out because she's just trying to touch the one that she has hope that may be my issue. I've gone to doctors. I've put out money. I've spent a fortune. I've done all. And if, if just he just touch. And they walk by and she. And what does Jesus say? Who touched me? <laughs> Can you imagine? If the disciples were from around this area, man, Lord, they all touching you. What you think? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? He said, no, no. Somebody touched me differently. If we could interview that lady, she said, one day, let me tell you something. One day made a difference. Just one day. And can I tell you something? I don't know what day you're in, but Jesus is in your tomorrow. He's in your future. He's in your moment. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking. Am I in the right church this morning? I just want to know. It's just amazing. She could tell you and describe the difference that one day would make. Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember that day you met the Lord? That one day. 
I remember my day. I remember it well. I wanted a change. I wanted a difference. And everything that I looked to and everything that I thought that would bring happiness didn't bring it. It just brought a deeper plight in my life. And I remember that one day that I just said, you know, today, I'm going to call some people and see if I can get this one guy over. And the guy came over. He's actually my pastor, Pastor Jacob. Came to my mom's house. I was in my old bedroom because I had my own place then. In fact, I, me and my mom weren't getting along. She, I told her I wanted to talk to him. And she told me, she goes, you stay right there. I'm coming to pick you up. Because she didn't want any chance of me changing my mind. And he came and he began to share with me about the love of God. And basically what he just said, he said, the Bible says this, Baba. If you say that you have, that, you know, that you have truth, but you're a liar, the truth is not in you. And he said, if you confess your sins, he's, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your rights and to cleanse you. See, he's saying not just help you, but to clean you up. To cleanse you. And I remember that day that I cried out to God. And I needed deliverance in my life. There was some stuff. How many of you had some, you know, I had devils on top of devils. And you know what I'm talking about? I can remember my mom would have a prayer group at her, at her house. And she'd be praying. She was praying for that one day. How many of you talking about? Let me ask you, how many of you praying for that one day for someone you love right now? Don't give up. I remember, I mean, they would literally go in my room and invade my privacy. You know what I mean? I had just stuff. And I remember they'd get anointing oil. And they would have anointing oil on my pictures, on my albums, on my posters. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I remember going to my, my, my mom's church, and it was a spirit-filled church. And, and, and people would walk by, and they would, they would pray for me, but they would do it like this. Jesus touched devil boy. Amen. No, I'm not kidding. I'd sit in the back and go. I mean, my brother would make faith. People come by, we go. No, I'm, you think I'm lying. I didn't want anything to do with it, man. I, but you know what? I watched him. I was sitting in the back watching. And I think, whoa, man, they're kind of different. Whew, different than I've ever been around. But I remember what happened. I saw my friends. I saw my sister. I saw things happen, and it was like I couldn't deny it. And, I, and God used all of that. Listen to me. And God used whatever, God's using whatever you're walking through. He used all of that for me to come to that one day when I said, full of my stink, full of all my junk, dead, to where I'd be like that woman with the issue. i just reach out to Jesus. Maybe he can change me. Maybe he'll do something in me. See, maybe you're here today. And you're like, man, my life's full of stuff. I got some things. But, Pastor, I got kind of like issues like you're talking about. But you know what I love about Jesus Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes people that are spiritually dead alive. I was dead. 
when I touched him, something changed radically. That was, I don't remember how many years now, 30-something years ago. Got saved when I was two. No. This makes me sound older. 30 years ago or so. And I remember that day. I remember the moment. I remember I got delivered from things. I remember receiving the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it was a journey that took place. It was taking that old man that used to be in me and receiving a new man. And can I tell you something? Every day when I go to the Lord and he becomes my portion, just like you, you need him every day, I put on the new man. It's like the grave clothes get taken off and I walk with grace clothes. That no matter what, listen, every day you fight the old person and the new person. How many are you talking about? Every day. And whatever one you feed is the one that wins. Whatever the one you look to for your portion, that's the one that wins. I would love to tell you that I've never gotten angry with my wife. There have been days when I haven't been up in where I needed to be. Can I just be honest with you? And I said a thing or two. Four or five. If it's a whole, you know, come on. How many of you got just frustrated at your children? Because you had a bad morning. And you can, you can find all the things you can blame it on. But you know, you just didn't, you weren't at the place where you were getting your daily portion. He wants to be your daily portion. Let me just wrap it up with this. I'm done after this. Romans 13. The hour has already come to you to wake up from your slumber. I took Olivia hunting the other day for the first time. And I go, Livy. And she's still asleep, and I'm thinking, oh man, I better not wake her up. And I just go, Livy. Livy. Do you want to stay home or do you want to hunt with daddy? I'm going hunting. Lily came out of her slumber. Lily got, I said, well, get dressed. She did. Because our salvation is near now, nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. In other words, don't put those things on anymore that you used to put on. But I love what it says. Look what it says. And put on the armor Some of you here, you, you've got to hear, you've got to hear this. You're in a weary world right now. I'm telling you, there's a thrill of hope that will make your weary world rejoice. There's a new and glorious morning coming to you. It's whether or not you reach out. You see, all of this is all about you. What are you going to do? See, sometimes we're, well, God, just show, God do this. God doesn't just go, you know, yabba dabba do, we all help you. And everything becomes, no, it's you reaching out and saying, God, I need you. 
How does a relationship grow? How does a marriage become what it needs to be? When you stop thinking about yourself and you start ministering and loving your mate more than you love yourself. Hello, mamas. When you start having children, doesn't your, like, your wake-up pattern, your night patterns totally change? And my wife is trained. I mean, she hears the phone at night. She hears it. It's like, I'm like... Just wrap it up. You know, this morning, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I've walked with cancer for two years. I don't think, I, I'm believing I don't have it. You hear what I'm saying? But I had to walk through the realities of that. And there's times that I've needed hope and the help of the Holy Spirit to walk through valleys that don't seem like they're going to be. You know what I'm saying? And I still have things that I, still things that hit me or things that happen. And I'm just speaking straight up to you. I'm trying to speak plain in your world, all right? But can I tell you something? No matter what I face, He's all I need. No matter what I go through, He's my portion. He promised that he would never give us more than we can handle. Come on. There's a lot of days I don't want to handle it. You know what I'm saying? Can someone else just hold this one for me? You ever feel that way in your life? But he's there to be my help and to be your help no matter what you face. In sickness and health, the Bible said he's no respecter of persons. doesn't matter if you're poor, rich, white, black, Red, yellow, whatever. If you were born on this side of the bayou or you were born on that side of the bayou, it don't matter if you're a quipido and they spell it with a T or a Q. It don't matter. It don't matter if you're from South Jennings or North Jennings. Come on. The bottom line is you've got to come to that point and say, here I am, God. I don't know where to go. But I'm reaching out to you. Knowing if I reach out to you, you will come and help me. Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege of just being able to share good news. We do live in a weary world where we need. All of us have needs. But Lord, all of us need hope. And I pray this morning that people would not put their hope in a person, put it in a thing, but put their hope and their trust in you, Lord Jesus. And that we would leave here today knowing that you are our help. The Bible says you're our help in our time of trouble. It's not matter, it's not a matter of when the trouble comes. Trouble will come. But we prepare our hearts so when the trouble does come, we know that he's all we need. We can place our hope in him, and he'll show up and help us. And Lord, I thank you for that today. I thank you that I just think about 
this season, this Thanksgiving season, that we're thankful for what you've brought in our lives and how you've done things in our lives. But I pray that people would not leave here today feeling they have a need. There's no hope because, Lord, there's hope here today. That they need help and they feel like they can't get help. Lord, I thank you. There's help here today. It's found in you. So if you're here this morning, you just need someone to pray with or get a place where you just feel like, you know, you just don't know there's needs in my life. It seems like if I told you it's not a list, it's a scroll. God's here to help you. We'd love to have people, we have people here that'll pray with you, encourage you. Maybe you need to have to experience some fresh hope. You need hope. Because without hope, it's hard to cope. You just need help. God's here to help. Look at me. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. Look over here. Let me just say this. Everything I've just described, every one of us has walked through it. Come on, be honest. Let's be real. Come on, haven't we? I don't want you to walk out of here if you need prayer, if you need encouragement, you need hope or help, or you have a need. Please don't walk out of here today discouraged, down, because you have a moment right now where we can come and we can pray for you. And sometimes it's getting rid of that pride. Come on. Pride will keep your blessed assurance in the seat. But when you throw off pride, it's like, I don't care. I don't care what people think. I don't care. Who cares? I'm going to God. Can I tell you something? If you go to God, this is your day. <laughs> this is your. This is actually your tomorrow. I love you. God bless you. 